I had Brother Travis read that portion there in Galatians chapter 5. In verse 1, you know, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And that's speaking of the bondage of the law. And these Judaizers had come into Galatia, and they were saying, you must be circumcised to be saved, along with having faith in Christ. And Paul, in chapter 3, which we looked at this morning in Sunday school, by inspiration of the the Holy Spirit of God in Galatians 3.21 says that the law then against the promises of God, God forbid. The law of God can never save. It can never save us. And yet there's countless amounts of people today and in the past who are trying to work their way to salvation. Today's message is called the lawful use of the law. The lawful use of the law. Now, a good, thing, a good thing can be used in an unlawful and dangerous way. A razor is good to shave with, right? Good, good to shave your face with. But in the hands of a criminal or the wrong man or woman, it can be a dangerous weapon. The blade can be a dangerous weapon. A gun can be a useful item for hunting. A lot of people hunt, go out hunting, provide food for their families. That's, that's good. Or for defending oneself, someone breaks into your home, it's good to have a gun, right? Or for other uses. But in the hands of a criminal, it can be, it can be used in the wrong way. Used for that which it wasn't intended for. Scissors are useful in a barber shop, but you never give them to children, do you? As a matter of fact, the scissors we give the kids are, are all them little rounded scissors so they can't hurt themselves because they, all children, like we were when we were kids, has a propensity to hurt themselves with a scissor and not even know it. So we don't give them full scissors, do we? No. Old clothes may serve well. I, I like, I like some, I got some old clothes I still wear, but, but they wouldn't be good for a bride to use for a wedding dress, would they? Not at all. And old clothes that, that you ladies have, they wouldn't be, that, that you maybe have put away, or, or even the bride had put away, they wouldn't be any good to use for their wedding garment, their wedding dress. The law of God is good. The law of God is good, beloved. I have to say that right off the bat, because it's good. The commandment is just and holy. As I said in Sunday school, we can't find any flaw with the law of God. And we wouldn't want to, would we? Because it reflects, who does it reflect? It reflects a God of holiness. A God who's pure, a God who's perfect, a God who's holy. So it's a reflection of who he is. You can't pick a flaw in the law of God. It brings forth, what does the law of God do? When used rightly, the law of God brings forth the holiness of God. Look at who he is. He's absolutely sovereign. He's holy. He's not who I thought he was in my natural state. And then what does it do for you and I? It brings forth our sinfulness. So it reflects who he is, holy. And then it, it gives us the look in the mirror, doesn't it? unholy, sinful. See, men and women don't like that. Did we like it in our natural state? No, not at all, did we? But this is what, this is what the law of God does. It reflects the holiness of God. It shows us the holiness of God. And it sets our sinfulness right before us. So we can't get away. We can't get away from it. And all moral law is embodied in the Ten Commandments. Our laws are, are based upon some of the commandments. Right? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Right? My, oh, my. So you can't pick a, you can't pick a flaw in the, 
in the, the holy law of God. In interpreting the commandments, our Savior made them supreme love to God and fellow men. But the problem with the law is, for us, is we can never fulfill it. Not even one. Not even one. Not one. Because when, when Christ spiritualized the law, when he said for a man to look upon a woman with, with lust as adultery, when he said to be angry with your, your brother or sister, you've killed them. Right? So when he spiritualized the law, we're all undone, aren't we? We're all in a state where we can never be saved. Because all the law can do is kill. That's all it can do. It can kill. It shows it, the, the, the soul that sinneth it must die, Scripture declares. So there's no trouble with the law in the sense of it's holy. But when it's used unlawfully and improperly, as we're seeing in the Bible study in Sunday school, it's being used unlawfully and improperly by the Judaizers. They're saying again, and that's why I had Travis read that portion. Look, look what it says. I'll read verses uh, 3 and 4 of Galatians chapter 5. Look, it says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So if, if you're going to live by the law in one point, well, guess what? You've got to live by the whole law. And that's impossible. And look what it says here, though. Look at, look, at, look at the seriousness of this. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law. He's, you've just made him void. If, if we think there's anything we can do to gain our salvation, we've just made it void. Grace is void then. It's no longer grace, Paul writes in Romans. It's no longer grace. Look at this. You are fallen from grace. Oh, my. My, oh, my. Now, somebody take that. See, somebody, somebody always does this. They take, that, they take that verse and they say, well, look that. You can have salvation and lose it. No, that's not, what it's, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. Paul believed that these Galatians were saved people. He's exhorting them by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to not, not put your trust in the law or anything you do but just to trust in Christ and him alone. That's what this is all about. It's about grace and works. It's about the law being, the law being justified by something you do or being justified by the grace of God in Christ. And that's why this, this letter is so important even today. That's why this is all so important today because people are trying by their works to gain salvation. Some trying to obey the Ten Commandments. You know. Now, I, I will never say that, we, that we, shouldn't, we shouldn't kill. We shouldn't, no, we shouldn't do any of that. that. Again, I'm not an antinomian. I'm not against the law. Neither are you. But we have to realize that we can't fulfill that law. There's no way for us to fulfill that law. Christ did it for us. He's the end of the law for righteousness, for our righteousness. He's sinless. He's establishing that righteousness by obeying that law for you and I, beloved. He's already perfectly, you ever think of that? He's already perfectly righteous when he's living on this. He's already perfectly righteous. He's sinless. He says, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. No grip on me. Satan has no grip on me. So he's doing all that for you and I. As our substitute, working out, working out that perfect righteousness, obtaining salvation for us. He's already God in the flesh. But God can't die, can he? But a man can. A man can. So God becomes flesh to die for us, to redeem us from all our sins. And he did it perfectly. Oh, that's just absolutely amazing. So there's no trouble with the law. It just may be used improperly and unlawfully. 
for something in which it was never intended, and that's salvation. It was never intended to save anyone. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 1. <clears throat> Look how serious, I mentioned this in Sunday school. Look how serious God, the Holy Spirit, is about salvation in Christ alone. So serious that he contrasts the truth with the false right off the bat in the first chapter of Galatians chapter 1. Oh my, you can't mix law and the finished work of Christ. It's, you know what it is? It's not good news. It's damning doctrine. That's what it is. It's damning doctrine. Anyone who's trusting in something they do to be saved will be damned. Will go to hell. It's sobering, isn't it? It's sobering. My, oh my, look at this. Galatians chapter 1, verses, verses first of all, 1 to 5. He's going to set forth before us in verse 4 the true gospel. Look at this. Paul, an apostle, not of man, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. So, who raised Christ? The Father. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you in peace. Who do we have grace? First, we have grace, right? Grace always precedes peace. You have to have grace before you have peace. When we have grace, when God's given us grace, showing us grace, giving us the gift of faith, born again, then we got peace, don't we? Now we got peace. Oh, my. <coughs> Who's it come from? God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the gospel. Speaking of Christ, who gave himself for our sins, the sinless one, dying for sinners. Why? That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Look at that. So he sets forth the truth there. Christ gave himself for our sins. Remember, he's writing the Galatians. They've been bewitched by these Judaizers. He's not saying, you bunch of unsaved folks. No, he's saying, brethren. Notice that? He's not writing them off. He's not writing them off at all. He calls them, he calls them brethren. And look what he says, that Christ gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And look at this. What a, what a marvelous statement here. According to the will of God and our Father. If you're saved, it's according to the will of God our Father. Isn't that wonderful? I'll make you rejoice. <laughs> that put a spring in your step, won't it? I'm saved. I stand before you a saved man according to the will of God our Father. Not based on anything I've done. That's, that's magnificent. And then what's the, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. That comes from Paul's heart, doesn't it? Grateful heart. Now, here we go. So the Holy Spirit said Paul set forth the truth of the gospel, the good news, salvation in Christ. Now look at this. Now he's going to deal with the false preachers. Oh my, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And then he says this, which is not another. Because the gospel is good news, right? The gospel of salvation in Christ by him and him alone, by his perfect finished work, right, and him redeeming us, yeah, that's good news for sinners. Look what he says here, which is not another. It's, it's not good news. Uh, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. See, when a man's preaching salvation by something you do, he's actually perverting the gospel. That's, that's the words of, of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. He's perverting it. God takes the gospel serious. He sent his own son to bleed and die for sinners. He takes the gospel serious. Look at this. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. Let them be damned in the Greek. Let them be anathema. That's serious. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than you have received, let him be accursed. For do I, do I now persuade men or God 
Look at this. If I seek to please men, for if I yet please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. So Paul's not holding back. Because if he's seeking to please men, he's not a servant of God. See, God's preachers, we're not man pleasers. We preach the gospel. And we love the brethren. I'll tell you what. I'm amazed at how quickly the Lord has knit our hearts all together. We're coming up on, we're on our eighth year now, seventh, but going on to eight. And it's been amazing. And the Lord's just knitting our hearts together, isn't he? In love. God did that. Isn't that amazing? But, but no preacher of God, no preacher of God's gospel is a man pleaser. It just can't be. Because like he said here, he says, if I, if I said, well, yeah, those guys are okay, and, 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 you know, that gospel, well, yeah, you know, they're a little wrong on some parts, you know, he'd just be pleasing men, wouldn't he? How many times have you heard, have you heard people say, well, that group's, they're, they're a bunch of believers, and they, they preach works-based salvation, and somebody will say, well, yeah, no, they're believers. What? You know, I can't believe how many people I've heard sometimes say, "Well, Catholics are our brothers and sisters," and I, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm always shocked at that because of coming out of it, and I'm like, "Well, they ain't my brothers and sisters," unless they're saved by grace, and then they're come out of her. They will come out of her if the Lord saves them. They're come out of that system, and and it, I, I'm not saying I don't. People take that the wrong way too. Sometimes say, "Oh, you're bashing on Catholics." I, I don't hate the people. I hate the system. I pray for the people. I'm thankful God delivered me out of that darkness because that's what it is. It's basically Mary worship. When you boil it down, and it's all about what you do. You're justified by your works, like so many other religions in this world. There's so many religions in this world that are all based, again, you can boil all religions down to two things, right? Grace and works, right? If, it's, if it has any kind of works in it, then it's not grace. It's not. No matter how sincere the person is. It's just not. So we must find out how the law is to be used. How is the law of God to be used then? How is it lawfully used? The first point is this. By the law is the knowledge of sin. By the, we don't know sin until the law comes. We don't know what it is. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3 and then put your fingers in Romans chapter 7. Now, right before this portion that we're going to read, verses 19 and 20 of Romans 3, Paul by inspiration of the God, the Holy Spirit, had just penned some words saying, there's none righteous, that means none, right? There's none that seeketh after God. There's none good. He had just penned these words. And then he, then he writes this, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, verses 19 and 20. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Who's under the law? Every son and daughter of Adam. Every son and daughter of Adam. Because we're born sinners. Right? It saith them who are under law that every... Why, what's the lawful use of the law? Well, this will be our second point. This one here. That every mouth may be stopped. Look at that. Stopped. That our mouths might be shut. I heard that you go to prison, no one's, no one's guilty. You start talking to the inmates, no one's guilty. I heard a story about a governor that went to a, in another country. He goes to this prison, and he's going through this prison, and he's asking, talking to the guys and saying, saying uh, and none of them are guilty, but this one man says, I'm here justly, I'm guilty. And he says, I'm going to pardon you. One man out of the whole prison he found that said he was guilty. See, but what does the law of God do? It shuts our mouths. No one can say anything. We're all guilty before God. Every one of us. I say this is a sobering message today, but, but again, it, like I say, it, it, needs, it needs to be preached because the world we live in now, and then look at verse, 
Look at this. That all, every mouth may be stopped in all the world. That means everybody, top side of this earth, everyone, everyone who's ever lived may become guilty before God. That's, the, that's, that's what the law does. It gives us knowledge of sin. Look at Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is what? The knowledge of sin. See, the law reveals to us our sinfulness. It reveals to us what we are. We're just a bunch of sinners. And I love that song we sang. That's one of my favorite songs. First time I ever heard that was in Rescue. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. That's me. That's you, right? Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story. That's, that's my story. Oh, praise God. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Now turn to Romans 7 if you would. Now, if you do not know you're a sinner, then you don't know the law. Right? Because by the law comes the knowledge of sin. Oh, my. Look at this. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 to 14. What shall we, then, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. Now look at that. Lust there is not sexual. It's, it's coveting. It's coveting. But sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. It slew him. It slays us, doesn't it? And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. See, you can't, you can't, you can't be saved by the Ten Commandments. It, it can only lead to your death. Right? No one can be saved by any portion of the law. It can only lead to our death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the, look at this. Now, here's, the, here's what the law is. It's holy. That's why I say you can't find any fault with the law. It's holy. Look, it says it right here. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which was good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might be, appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. So the law gives us a knowledge of sin. The law is good. It reveals our sinfulness. That's the lawful use of the laws because it, it reveals sin to us. It gives us the knowledge of sin, our sinful condition. But it provides no way of escape. It can't save. It can't save. It shuts us up to Christ, doesn't it? So anyone who's trying to be justified by the law and by their law doings, as we saw over here in Galatians chapter 5, Christ has become of no effect unto you. No effect. Listen to this in Ezekiel 18, verses 19 to 20, if you want to write that down for further study. Again, it says... Yet say ye, why doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Sin leads to death. The wages of sin, the scripture says, the payment for sin is death. That's why we die, because we're a bunch of sinners. We're... Now, God may use different instruments to take us out, right? Different, different things. But the reason we die is because we're a bunch of sinners. The soul that sinneth, it must die. My, oh, my. So one is using the law lawfully when it's, when it's uh, used as a weapon to slay our self-righteousness. And do you, know what? do you know what is big in this world? Self-righteousness is still big, but you know what's really big in the world now? Self-importance. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. But you know what the law does? It just cuts it. Just, it's like, it's like uh, someone taking an axe to a big old tree, man. Because 
I don't feel important. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Right? Remember Happy Jack that I, I talked about on a Wednesday night, eh? Uh, I'm just a poor sinner and nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. That was his answer to everything. <laughs> that's, that's so true for us, right? I'm a poor sinner and nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. We just want to serve the Lord now, don't we? Yeah. <clears throat> Self-importance is gone for the believer because it gets chopped down by the law and by grace. It really does. But the world, the, the world is full of that right now. Full of self-importance, self-righteousness. And we were there. And we still struggle with that sometimes, don't we? If we're, let's just be honest. Sometimes we do. When I start thinking I'm important, it doesn't take long for the Lord to make me feel like I'm not important. Right? But, but I, and I don't mean this in this way, but think of this. Self-importance in the sense of our ways mattering the most because we are jewels in the Lord's eyes. We are valuable, precious stones to him. You know what it says? Precious in the eyes of the Lord's the death of his saints. That means an invaluable stone. Like a rare gem. That's what we are to him. But we don't feel that way, do we? See? We don't feel important. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my. So the lawful use of the law is to, to slay our self-righteousness and our self-importance. And it leaves us in the dust and ashes before our great God. The second point of the law is it's a mouth stopper. Let's go back to Romans chapter 3. Verses 19 and 20. It's a mouth stopper. Let me tell you, it's, it, it stops the mouth. <clears throat> there won't be anybody saying, I'm innocent. No. Because the law just stops. We're a bunch of guilty sinners, aren't we? Yeah. It's a mouth stopper. Look at this. Romans 3, verses 19 to 20. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. And that means everyone. And we confess as believers, we confess that we're guilty before God because of our sin. And this is what the law, look at this, and all the world, that means everyone, that means everyone who's ever lived, except for Christ, of course, who's the seed of the woman, all the world might become guilty before God. Everyone. People say, well, I, I want nothing to do with God. And, no, you're still guilty. <laughs> The law still got a claim on you. I don't believe in that stuff. Well, the law still got a claim on you. See, you can't outrun God. Oh, my. And what does the law do? It confronts our sin and shows us that our God is holy. He is holy. It shows us that his law is holy. It shows us that his scriptures are holy. It shows us that Christ is the holy one of God. Oh, my. And it shuts our mouth. At Sinai, we hear the thunder and the lightning and the flashes of God's wrath, and we're all guilty before God. And imagine a court scene where a man's proven guilty and his mouth is stopped. He can't say nothing. Just shut right up. No plea for his defense. Guilty. This is what the law does. This is what the law does. It shows us we're guilty before God. Now, one may ask, well, is there any hope then for sinners? Is there any hope then for sinners? If the law cannot save us, then what hope, what hope does sinners have for the salvation of their souls? Well, none in ourselves say. We got no hope in ourselves. Because the law shows us nothing we can do can save us. It brings that evidently forth before us. And then, it not only does it do that, it gives us the knowledge of sin, and then it shuts our mouths. Well, we don't even have a plea. Guilty. Guilty. Well, we can't save ourselves. The law stops our mouths from crying that we're innocent before God and we're all guilty before God 
before the great God of the universe, before the sovereign God. What hope? Is there any hope for sinners? Well, our third point brings, brings hope. Brings hope. Because the law of God is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Oh, there's hope, sinner friend. There's hope. And it's found outside ourselves. It's found outside ourselves. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. I brought this up in Sunday school. We've been studying in Sunday school. We looked at this verse today. That's why I told you guys in Sunday school that there's going to be some overlapping with this main message. Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. Again, Paul's writing to the Galatian church, born-again, blood-washed believers. They've been bewitched by the Judaizers who said you have to be circumcised to be saved, you have to follow the law to be saved, along with faith in Christ. And look what he writes here in Galatians 3, verses 19 to 24. Wherefore then serveth the law? What's, what's the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator, Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Paul says, God forbid. For if there had been a law which could have been given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded, what? All under sin. We just read that. That quote in Romans. All under sin, what? that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. That's what we, we were under the law. Now, earlier up, further up, further up in Galatians chapter 3, verse, um, <clears throat> look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We've been, really, we've been redeemed out from under the law. We were under the law, and now we've been redeemed out from under the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. <clears throat> it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So Galatians 3.24 there, brings forth that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And note the fact, justified by faith. Faith in who? Faith in Christ. In Christ alone. There's no faith outside, there's no salvation outside of Christ, is there? Now people have faith in all different things. We saw a couple weeks ago people having faith in, in, um, in pieces of wood. Neil, that quote you gave me on the way out was fantastic. He said, Neil said, man, man molds an idol and then the idol molds him. That was, I was sure, I shared that with a few preacher friends. That's, that's fantastic. It's true though. It's true. Man makes that idol and then the idol molds him. My goodness. Oh my. So faith in him or what? In Christ. And when we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, we're given that faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only way a sinner can be saved is through Christ. There's, there's no other way. There's no other name under heaven whereby, whereby we must be saved. No, none. All those gods of the Romans and the Greeks were just a bunch of false gods. Philistine gods were just a bunch of false gods. People worshiping all kinds of things now, rocks and trees, it's, they're just gods of their imagination. My, oh, my. And as I said in, in uh, Sunday school, we see schoolmaster here and we think teacher, right? But that's not what this Greek word means. See, the only thing the law can do is, is reveal to us that we're a bunch of sinners. Right? That we're a bunch of sinners. And the only way that a sinner can be saved is through Christ. And this word for schoolmaster does not mean school teacher in the Greek. It means child conductor. 
In homes of wealthy Greek and Romans, there would be a trusted servant who would take the children to school. And the servant was called a pedagogos. Pedagogos. In the Greek. This child conductor is the same word here for schoolmaster in the Greek. He didn't teach the children. I thought this was neat. He didn't teach the children, but he took, to, took them to the teacher who would teach them. See, the law can only show us our sinfulness, and it takes us to the one who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my. My, oh, my. The law doesn't save. It brings us to Christ. It, it shuts us in. It gives us the knowledge of sin and shuts us in where our mouths are stopped. We're all guilty before God. We've got nowhere to go. And then the Holy Spirit comes and reveals Christ to us. Isn't that wonderful? The balm of Gilead. The Savior of my soul. The lily of the valley. The fairest among 10,000. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior of sinners. So the purpose of both the moral, moral and ceremonial law is to bring us to Christ. Calvin said this about the schoolmaster. He said, a schoolmaster is not appointed for the whole life. I like this. School, the schoolmaster wasn't appointed for, for the whole life, but only for the childhood. As the origin of the Greek implies, so the, the origin of this word implies that, a child conductor. Right? He goes on to say this, besides in training a child, the object is to prepare him by the instruction of childhood for mature years. Prepare us for Christ. Isn't that wonderful? To bring us to a point where we have absolutely nowhere to go but to look to Christ. That's what the law does. That's what the law does. Now that's, that's a lawful use of the law to bring us to Christ. And the fourth point is this one. Let us consider how the wrong use of the law is fatal. Fatal. Now, through many centuries and times, men have ignored the law of God. It doesn't. They've just ignored it. But the law of God hasn't ignored them. Got a claim on them. Whether they believe it or not. Today, people ignore the law of God. But one day, they'll be held accountable by it. They'd be held accountable. Today, many have no concern about the commandments of God. But the law is concerned about them. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Men may evade human laws, but the law of God, there is no way to throw the law of God off your tracks. Fugitives might throw the law, the the police or the law off the tracks when they're running. But no one's going to evade this law. The law of God is God's bloodhound. It'll track every man and woman to their hiding place. There's no way to throw this bloodhound down. No way to distract this bloodhound. It'll track you down. In God's court, every one of us, we've been fingerprinted and numbered and photographed so that the law of God cannot be ignored. By nature, we're all condemned by it. So how then is the law fatal in its use? Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. Fatal in its use. The law of God is fatal in its use when it's used for salvation. 
It's absolutely fatal. It'll damn everyone who's using it for their salvation. Aren't you glad Christ fulfilled the law for us? Oh my. Look at this, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. Look at that. Someone wants to live by the law? Well, the scripture just here declares them. They're under a curse. That's what it is. That's not my words. That's not Paul. Paul wrote these words, but he is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write these words, right? That's so plain. They're under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. <clears throat> so if you ever find someone who's telling you they're trying to live by the law of God, say, are you living by all of them? And they're, they're, I, I guarantee you they're going to say no. Say, well, then you're condemning yourself. Yeah, you're cursed. Law got you. You're, again, it's God's bloodhound, man. It's not going to, no one's getting away from it, is it? There's only one way to escape that bloodhound. In Christ. <laughs> yeah, in Christ. In Christ alone. My. So the law is fatal in its use then. <clears throat> but that, look at this. Verse 11. But that no man, and I mean, don't matter how sincere they are, no man, no woman, is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. Why? The just shall live by faith. That's what we live by. Beloved, we live by faith in Christ. We live, we live and have our being in Christ, don't we? We live and we move in Christ. So don't mix law and grace. It just don't go together. Anything that man places together with the perfect finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ ruins it. Anything. I mean anything. Anything. If you're trying to be saved by keeping the law, then you're making yourself your own savior. You know that? People are trying to be justified, and I'm talking about not just by the law, but people who are trying to be justified by something they do, they're making themselves their savior. Because they're saying, well, I don't need Christ. He, 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 I can save myself. No, sorry. Can't. Can't. It'll just lead to the damnation of your eternal soul. So beware, lest someone brings before you a salvation by something you do, <clears throat> or by keeping the law, it can, it can only condemn, as we see here in the scriptures. But used by the Holy Spirit of God, in his almighty power, the law is a schoolmaster. Shuts us up, shuts our mouth, gives us the knowledge of sin, so we put ourselves in the dust, right? Shows us how holy God is. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that. <clears throat> and he just shows us Christ. God, be merciful to me. What that old Pharisee or that, yeah, that publican say, which we all cry? God, be merciful to me, the sinner. The sinner. Not a, the. The sinner. My, oh my. Now, what do we who are the born-again children of God have in Christ? I want to finish off in this. Note. What do we have? What do we have in Christ? In light of what we're looking at today, what do we have in Christ? Well, rejoice, beloved of God. Well, rejoice. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3, and then put your finger in Romans chapter 6. Rejoice. <clears throat> rejoice. Weeping, redeemed out from under the curse of the law. The law has no claim on us anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. It's, it, Christ fulfilled it all. Every single point, he fulfilled it for us, beloved. The sinless one. Doing that for sinners like you and I. Oh, it's, it makes our hearts sing. Look at this, Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law, look at this, is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. <clears throat> James wrote a few 
If you offend in one point of the law, you've broken them all. Right? Look at this. Here we go. Here we go. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's done it. The law doesn't have a claim on us. He's done it. He's redeemed us. He's purchased us. He hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why? That the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise be to God. Christ redeemed us. He fulfilled the law. He is the end of the law for righteousness. And he is the Lord our righteousness. Now turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Do you know, beloved, we're dead to the law? It doesn't have no claim on us? It, it, it comes, it's got nothing on us. <laughs> we're free. That's why in that portion I had Brother Travis read, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. We've been emancipated, beloved. We were slaves to sin. We were chained up. We are set free. And the law is dead to us now. Oh my, look at this. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 to 14. Or actually 5, verse 5 to 14. <clears throat> We're dead to the law. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, we don't, we don't desire to serve sin anymore, do we? We mourn over our sin. Oh, my. Knowing that this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is what? Freed from sin. We died with Christ. Beloved, we, we're crucified with Christ, Paul wrote in Galatians. Nevertheless, I live. Oh, my. My, oh, my. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, he's risen. We're going to go to heaven, too. He's already in heaven. We're going to be there. Right? He's the head, we're the body, right? Oh, my. Knowing this, or knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Look at that. Death has no claim on him. Oh, my. See, that's why the sting of death is gone for us. Yeah, it's gone. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. He didn't, it, it only had to be done once. Because of who did it? The God-man. The Lord Jesus Christ. Once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Because he lives what? We live also, right? I like this up. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I know who holds the future. It's Christ. And we're in his hands, aren't we? Oh, my. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin. Right? But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it, it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of, of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but what? Under grace. We're not under the law anymore. Christ redeemed us out from under the law. Stand fast, therefore, my, my dear brethren, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Stand fast. We are, we are so free, beloved. And be, look, Let's read that one verse again. Uh, Galatians 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I'll read it again. Galatians 5.1. Stand fast. Just stand Therefore, in the liberty, the freedom, wherewith Christ hath made us free, 
and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't, don't be entangled by the yoke of the law. See, what was happening was these Galatians were being entangled in the yoke of the law by the Judaizers. And Paul said, you're free. Stand fast in that freedom that you have. Stand fast in that freedom. My, oh, my. Rejoice. Now, turn, if you would, one more place. Romans chapter 10. One more place. Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> and here's a, here is a great cause for us to rejoice, beloved. I'll tell you. I mentioned this already in the message, but I'm going to read it again. And we're going to read it in the context, and I'll tell you what. This, this is cause for great rejoicing. Great rejoicing. Look at this. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That's, that's, that's 90% of religion out there. A zeal for God, but no knowledge of them. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, which you don't even hear about preaching anymore, and going about to establish their own righteousness, that's what, that's what I was doing before the Lord saved me, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And here it is. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. He is the end of the law. He has perfectly fulfilled the law in my room and place and in yours as a believer, and it's like we did it. But he did it all for us. And that is imputed to us. So why does... Remember, God looks at us, and what does he see? The righteousness of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I'll make you shout. <laughs> make you shout. It's so wonderful. Oh, so in conclusion, then, the way to be saved is to look to the Lord Jesus Christ as our, as our, as our only Redeemer, only Savior. He, it was he who satisfied the claims of the law with his precious blood in our room and place. Oh, the law cursed me. Christ Jesus, my Lord, bore the curse in my room and place. Free from the law, a happy condition. Jesus has died, and there is remission. Praise be to God. Let we who are the redeemed of the Lord lift up our voices and praise him. In praise and adoration to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a perfect, eternal security in Christ and him alone. What do we say? Praise his mighty name. Praise his mighty name. Oh, my.